Father, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and um, your reality. God, it's so easy to get caught up in the idea that we, um, I don't know, that this is a game, that this is normal. And uh, my prayer, God, is that people, we all, would wake up to real reality, God, not these shadow lands that we live in, um, to the reality of your kingdom, what that means for our lives now. I pray for freedom uh, for, for those that are in chains, God. I pray for healing for the brokenhearted, peace um, for those who aren't, and God will give you glory. And I pray that you would help me uh, to preach your word and only your word. And I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. Welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. And uh, you, if, if it is your first time or your first time in a while, we're in the second to last. Maybe less. But last one you're going to hear from me probably. Uh, on a series called Of Kings and Queens. And it's talking about uh, men and women. It's funny. I've had a lot of people not show up for this. Isn't that weird? And I knew this was going to happen. Because people don't want, uh, you know, <laughs> she, she kind of set it up that I'm going to come up here and like yell at everyone and, and like say a lot of offensive things. Um, but I do that every week, the offensive part, uh, you know. <clears throat> and today, because that echo is going to still continue to get fixed, it is, I'm literally going mad. Um, but today we're going to talk about relationships and marriage. But before I do that, and I almost scrapped this whole thing today. Um. Guys, I'm sorry. You knew this was going to happen. <clears throat> Turn it off or something. Whatever that is, that's driving me crazy. So uh, I was going to, and the people in the front row. Nope, still there. <laughs> Just go back to last week. Anyone? Tim, you got this? We got a bounce sound here? Okay. <laughs> can you imagine someone that's watching this live and I just can, I'm not getting to any point right now? <clears throat> and then I think, or people in the room and I'm not getting to any point right now. Um, I almost got rid of this today because, I don't know, I guess I gave you a mini sermon before the sermon last week. I'm going to continue that. Um, first, I want to say something that should encourage you. If you're a Christian in this room today, and this is what I've always, I, I am thankful that I was not raised in the church. And let me tell you why. I missed a lot. See, people that are nodding their heads too fast. No, no, no. That's, you're, you're, you're arrogant. Okay. I'm just being real with you. You're arrogant because we missed out on a lot. Missed out on a ton and a lot of broken relationships. You didn't see how things are supposed to work. That isn't to glorify it. But in one way that I am thankful is not the way you think. The way that I am thankful is the fact that, that this isn't normal to me. I was old enough to remember what it was to be in chains. And so I know what it is to not be. And I think a lot of times, a lot of people that, and, and even me, it doesn't matter how long you've been in church, you tend to have a tendency to forget reality. And that's why you look around and, and church pews, you know, it, it doesn't matter the size of the church, especially now post-pandemic, look it up. It's crazy to think this, you know, and people are, we were, we're in, this is nationwide, not Whitley County, okay, necessarily, though nationwide, our little church that could, because everybody views it that way, is in the top 10% as far as numbers because of it dying down, because the pandemic has done exactly what, um, struggles and strife does to the church. It reveals. 
You see, it doesn't tear the church down. It doesn't break the church down. It doesn't overcome the church. What it does is reveal the quality of the church. And I'm talking capital C, the quality of Christians, our faith. What happens when it's not convenient anymore to go to church? When it's not convenient to live out our faith? When, let's go a step further, it gives us an easy built-in excuse to say, eh, I'll sit at home or whatever else it is. Now, you guys are here, praise God. But what I want to say about this is, let this sink in for a second. If you're a Christian in the room, by the way, you're not all Christians. I know that. It doesn't matter how many people you fooled. You're not all Christians. You're here for whatever reason. I love it. I think it's awesome that you're here. But you're not, and that's fine. But though, And I'll talk to you in a second. Those of you that are Christians in the room, that's just to get you awake. Bree, that was for you. Here's the thing. You're free. What are you mad about? What are you sad about? Why is this normal to you? You were, you say you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God made flesh, came down, died on a cross. You say if you're a Christian, that's what you say you believe. Died for your sins, took your place, took your ugliness, your shame, your dirt, your filth, your every single negative thing from the past, the future, and even the present. Did you know that? That he died for your present sins, not just the ones when the moment you prayed. That he died, took it, and then did something incredible. Gave you the benefits of his perfection. That you walk in anointing. That word's been kind of grabbed by a certain, like certain denominations, but it's a fact. You walk in anointing. How do I know that? Because the spirit is in you. Sealed. And yet, we walk around like this. Faith is dry. Your faith feels dead. It feels like no wonder people don't come to church because all it is is come, listen to a message that you believe you've heard 55 times. It becomes a a faith of convenience. It becomes a faith about me, right? When the truth is you're free. You are free. No one can take it away. I can't take it away. Your mom can't take it away. Your dad can't take it away. Your sister, your brother, the pastor across town, your Uncle John, it doesn't matter who it is. They can't take it away. If the entire world, if every single person in the world that claims to be a Christian stood together, pointed at you and said, you are not his, you are not his, you are not his, it wouldn't change reality that you're still his. Do you understand that? And we get swept up into this life, man. And it drives me crazy sometimes. Because I don't understand. And if you're, I can can come across as grumpy. I get it. Or Eeyore-ish. And here's the reason, though. And I'm, I'm sharing my true heart with you guys. I am not a great pastor. Because I'm not good at being pastorly. I'm not. But here's what I can tell you. 100% is factual about, about me. I just want you to know Jesus. And I just want the people that do know him to live in the freedom that you're given. To not live under the weights and the shame and the fear and sin and to glorify sin over Jesus. Because you know we do that. This religion becomes about sin management. How can I best manage my sin? Not about how can I live free. How can I share the hope of the gospel? Well, Todd, are you saying sin's not important? We're not walking the same way right now. Sin is defeated. It's over. Now, yeah, my body takes a little bit to catch up to the truth. So does yours. 
My mind takes a little bit to catch up to the truth, but it doesn't change the truth. I didn't sign up to be a pastor in Whitley County that's, con- that, that, that's content to just be a group of people. Like, you're all awesome, and I would love to hang out with you all the time, but like, that's not the only reason that I do this. And it shouldn't be the only reason you do this. And I look at the Old Testament, I see this faith that's so alive. Don't you ever do that? Do you ever look at it and go, what is happening? Why don't I have that? It's not God's fault. It's not the 21st century's fault. It's not some teaching's fault. You ready for this? It is our faith. It is our inability to believe and act as though this is real, even if you don't feel like it. Modern Christianity has created a religion that worships emotion. How do I feel today? That's my truth. Your feelings, God gave you those as a barometer, right? They're a blessing, but they're also a hindrance, man. They are not to guide you. You know, I look around, look around, you can look around the room. I don't know how many's here today. Probably end up being close to 100 altogether. That's pretty cool. I told you, look up the statistics yourself. That's amazing. What if 100 people walked out ah, and cared past today? I'm not saying you don't, but live their life as though this was it. Live their life as though Jesus Christ in the flesh was walking with them saying, follow me. I'm going to take you to do some amazing things. What would you do different? Would you go, well, I'm halfway in this. He doesn't give that option. He never did. Let me go home. Check with my husband or wife. Let me go home and do this or that. Let me go home. No, no, no. He said, no, let them, right? Let me go home and bury my uncle, right? That's pretty important. No, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. That's hard teaching. If you're in this room and you think you know all this, you don't. Because I can point out to you the ways that I know my life. If you are, then... Man, you must be Jesus. What do we do? Man, I sit around and I see this, this, this faith of mopiness, of hopelessness, of brokenness, as though that's the gospel. No, that's not the gospel. That only existed in your story to give glory to Jesus when he healed you, restored you, saved you. That's what it's about. Your story before Jesus only existed to show how awesome he is and what you've been transformed into. This isn't one of those like, oh, I feel bad about yourself. That's not what I mean. You're free. If I'm making you feel bad, it's the same thing I'm telling you not to. You're free. And if you're in this room today and you're not a Christian, and again, I know for a fact some of you aren't. So if it's you, yeah, I'm talking to you. I don't know your name, but I'm talking to you. That's God. He's real. Isn't that crazy? He's talking to you today. Here's the thing. Today is the day that you can be free. Be free of the shame, of the guilt, of the fear, of your past. That you don't have to choose an identity that's broken anymore. I'm depressed, and I'm the suicidal one, and I'm the sad one, and I'm the angry one, and I'm this, and I'm that. No, you can just be the son or daughter of God. The free one, the holy one, the chosen one the joyful one today. I wish my church would see that. My church, this church. So if you're a guest, sorry. (laughs) But I wish my church would live that out all the time instead of just saying be the remnant as a cool slogan, but would actually think about what it means. We are living in, in amazing times. Todd, what are you talking about? It's scary. Exactly. We are living in amazing times. 
I think of Jesus, right, when he comes out and he looks and he says, man, the fields are ripe for harvest. They're ready. They're ready. But pray because the workers are few. What a powerful statement. How many of you in this room are going to be workers because the harvest is ripe? I don't know. I remember what it was to be happy, to feel like, man, life was decent, right? And then I remember what it felt like to feel lighter right after. Nobody told me that. A guy gave me a Bible in a creepy back room and prayed with me. That's it. He gave me the New Testament. But I'm telling you, that prayer that Jesus saved my life and changed the course of my life. See, I get emotional. It changed the course of my life. That's what he does. It's like a pinball machine. <laughs> and we just live, man, just in a half-life. It's really hard to be joyful when all you're focused on is yourself because nobody knows your flaws and failings and desires that aren't getting met more than you. I don't know. It's either all real or it isn't. Every single line is either real or it isn't. What does that mean for you? If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, what an exciting day for you. Did you know that God chose today for you to be here? Well, whatever, blah, 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 God, blah, 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 right? Because typically people that aren't Christian, you're one of two things. You're angry or sad. You're angry because you believe God is the Christians in your life, that you believe Christ acts like those arrogant, snotty, fake Christians. He doesn't. Or two, you're sad because you think you're so far gone that he could never want you. And that's not true either. What an amazing day for you. I'm very excited for you because you're going to get the opportunity to change your life. That you're going to get the opportunity to meet the living God, the Christ, the Messiah, the one that's going to save you. But he won't force you. But I promise you this. If you are not a believer and you're in this room, it might be for your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your uncle, your neighbor. You came today for whatever reason you came because you want to see if this is a good fit. doesn't matter. God ordained this for you. That means he set it up. Just for you. Isn't that crazy? Let that sink in today. Moving on. In the sermon. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be an interesting segue. Though, I will say this. Um, Starbucks lady. I was not a person. I forgot you work at Starbucks. I was not talking to you. Uh, I was referring to the people thinking about their Starbucks. <laughs> Sierra, that was not aimed at you. Um, anyway. Hey, stay focused today. Let's talk. I want to ask you guys a question. I want to explain to you about Jesus and you, right? Um, You know, Jesus loves you until you upset him. It's the gospel. Yeah. Jesus loves you until you annoy him. Jesus loves you until you don't do what he asks you to do. Did you guys know that? You sure? And Jesus, um, hey, you know what? Jesus is completely cool with you not following him and you doing whatever you want to do and not submitting to him because, hey, you're a woman. Here you roar. You don't have to do what he says because he's a man and you hate men. Right? Yeah, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. That is God. Now, if you're not a Christian, I've confused you. Ignore all of that. It was facetious and it was sarcasm. That's not true. But your relationships and your marriage are telling people that's true. Did you know that? 
That's what you're, you're telling people. I have to, I've been thinking about this. We're going to talk about this today. What if Jesus and his relationship with you was exactly like your relationship with your spouse? Would you be happy, scared? Which would it be? Huh? If you're, would you be eh, hopeless? What would it be? Or if you're not, you don't have to be married, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your dream scenario. If it was exactly the same, right? And Jesus was the way that you treat them, not the way they treat you necessarily. The way you treat them, would you be, would you be pretty happy? Christians seem to believe that relationships don't exist within the context of following Christ. That's very important. It's wordy. Christians seem to believe that relationships don't exist within the context of following Christ. And what I mean by that is, is that we believe that the, we don't, the quality of our faith isn't really shown in our relationships and marriages. It's shown in our service, it's shown in our giving offering, it's, it's shown in whether we teach or preach, it's shown whether we love the poor and take care of widows and orphans and all those things, but your marriage and your relationship, nah, that doesn't matter. The truth is, the complete opposite is true. The complete opposite. God has a tendency to do this. Uh, God says, you say, Jesus says this, right? I'm going to tell you. Jesus says this crazy thing about love. He says, you say to love your friends, but even evil people love their friends. That's what he says. He goes, I tell you to love your enemies. And you're like, what the heck does that mean? Think about that for a second. Why would he say to love your enemies? Because the quality of your love isn't going to be shown by how you love people that please you. It's going to be shown how you love people that don't. Because here's the thing, right? That's how Christ loves us. I mean, I'm, I forgot that. How many of you are perfect this week? Yeah, somebody raised their hand, <laughs> right? If you are not on your own, you, you weren't perfect. So you should be very thankful that God's love is independent of that. Once you put your faith in that, he, his love is secure. We tend to follow even, we have this strange thing in Christianity, and this is my opinion. We have a weird subculture. So we have the, the biblical Christianity, and this is what humans have done throughout time. So we start with good intentions, and I'm not trashing this, what I'm about to say. So for instance, good intentions would be Christian relationship books. Those have good intentions. We're giving guidance. It's what an awesome thing we have that we live in a world where we can get resources that show us and teach us from godly people, right? But then the weirdest thing happens. We continue to add and add and add until those things become more important than the Bible. And we all, this is creepy, groupthink. You ever heard of groupthink? We all begin to accept this reality of what these books, let's say, or this Christian culture tells us about marriage. And it can happen subtly. It can happen very subtly. That's why, ladies, and I, again, I told you, I'm going to give you a little hard truth here and there. It's been really hard for you. I don't hate women. I'm not mad at women. I think you have it tough because you've been lied to, too. You've been lied to. You, you believe that you, the way that Christian culture can say sometimes is you are queens, no doubt about it, but men are scrubby, grubby, gross little scabs that are following you around and a real man of God is going to lick your boots and tell you whatever you want to hear all the time because that's love. Now see, I'm already making you upset because, but that's the truth. You've been lied to. That's not love because he only does that out of fear. He doesn't love you. He serves you out of fear because he doesn't want to be alone. Is that what you want? Is that love? 
And man, you've been taught that, that a good Christian man, he just loves and serves the gentleman, the mask. There's the reality. That's not true. You're not nice. You only do it so you don't have to deal with the nagging, right? So you get what you want. And maybe once or twice a month, you guys can lay together in the biblical terms, right? And if you're really good, mommy will make you dinner every day. There's the offensive part. It's not. It's, and here's the thing. You're like, no one teaches that. Yes, they do. Happy wife, happy life. Not biblical. Not biblical. Well, that's how you love it. Jesus doesn't make me happy all the time. Some of the things he says makes me very sad. Or makes me eh, usually angry, right? I don't want to love my enemies. I want to punch them. That's just reality. I don't want to take care. I don't want to do that. But guess what? That's what we're called to do. And it becomes much easier when I realize I was his enemy, and I'm very thankful he didn't punch me straight to hell. See what I did there? The quality of our faith, the quality of your discipleship is shown in your marriage. Just like it is in loving your enemies. Because here's the thing, and the reason that is, because nobody is going to annoy you, irritate you, hurt you, and frustrate you more than your spouse. Bottom line. So you want to know what biblical love looks like, right? Loving your enemies? <laughs> I'm cool with loving my enemies. I don't want to love my wife or husband, right? They nasty, whatever it is, right? Like, she's a nag, whatever else. To be a king or queen is perhaps most evident and most difficult in our relationships and marriages. For those of you that are single, your pursuit of a certain type of individual, the type of relationship you create, the type of relationship your heart really longs for, this is going to take real honesty. A lot of arrogance in single Christians because you tend to think, you know how I know? And some of y'all are in here. Some of the people I've premarital counsel have come back to me a year later and be like, hey man, I should have listened to you. You know who you are. I'm not looking at anyone specific. I've had them come at me multiple. It's not just one. Multiple times. I guarantee you. In fact, if I premarital counseled you, you did this. I already know because you always do. And then the ones I'm going to do this coming year, you're going to do the same thing. They come up and they're like, well, I think we got this figured out, Todd. Um, we're going to read the Bible every day together and we're going to pray. And I'm telling you right now, that's what we're going to do. Okay? And I've already learned the art of submission because I've been practicing. And I've, I know how to sacrifice for my wife, and I'm going to be the perfect leader. I will stand for truth. And then all of a sudden you realize, weirdest thing, she doesn't always agree with you. Weirdest thing, right? He is not always worthy of your respect. Craziest thing. But, you know, Oprah told you how to do it. So, hey, you got to figure it out now, right? Here's the thing. To be a king or queen is most evident in our relationships and marriages. Single people, your, the pursuit of what kind of marriage you want, the relationship, the way you approach relationships, shows your faith or lack thereof. You think you're just going to be able to turn it on? They're saying no. Yes, you do. You're going to come to me, those members, and you're going to sit here, and I promise you, you're going to tell me. And I'm going to smile. I'm not even going to tell you you're wrong because I do it every time. I'm like, that's really great. I can't. I'm so happy. And then, I'll see you six months after the wedding. We'll talk then. We have to stop lying to ourselves and admit the truth of how we look at romantic relationships and our marriages. By the way, this isn't meant to shame anyone that maybe has come from a broken marriage. You know, the past is the past, and God offers hope and restoration. What's done is done. 
God is a God of new beginnings. That's who he is. Don't live in that shame. But learn from the mistakes. And if you get married again, right, choose to honor God from your position. You can't control the other person. Too many times we get caught up in the other person, right? Ladies, if he'd just be respectable, you'd offer him respect. If he wasn't an idiot, you'd listen. I've said this before, man. Some of you ladies, the way you, I'm just, this is the offensive part, in this church, some of the ways you talk to your husbands, because he tells me, I'm telling you right now, you should be thankful you're with him. Because me and you, now we ain't making it a week, right? I'm not going to divorce you, but I sure as heck will say, hey, I'll see you next week. You can call me when you're ready to talk. You ain't screaming at me. My mama doesn't scream at me. She's in the other room. She don't scream at me. You ain't going to scream at me. You understand that? You raise your voice to your husband. Let me ask you this. If your husband raises his voice to you, what's it called? What's the word? Say it. What's the word called when he screams at you? Abuse. Oh, what happens when you scream at him? It's not? It's not abuse? Why not? How about when you put your hands on him? Some of y'all lucky you got a husband that's a very uh, patient and peaceful man and doesn't chuck you across the room. Because I'm serious, which would be wrong. (laughs) But my point is it's just as wrong for you. By the way, if the shoe fits, I didn't know that. Because I'm not thinking of anyone. That's called the Holy Spirit and conviction. We have to start blind ourselves. Now here's the beauty. You can always redirect. You can always change. You can always come back. How do I know? The Bible's filled with it. Peter, right? Paul. All of these people, David, they get to recorrect. They get to change. And here's the other beauty about this. Not a single married person in here does this right 100%. You don't. If you can't tell me, I've, I've, I've talked to a guy. Okay, I've talked to more than one, so in case the person's in here. I, I love, this is another, here's a beautiful thing about marriages, Christian marriage. This happens in here too. So like they, have you, when I counsel couples, it's one of my favorite things. They'll come in and they're upset at each other. But then when I address one of the the spouses about the issue, the other one who was complaining immediately defends them, right? So, hey, Bob is really rude to me, and he never pays attention to me. And I go, Bob, you know, hey, but Bob works hard. He can't really be, you know, it's the the strangest thing. But my point, I don't know why I told you that, other than here, don't think that you don't have a step to grow in this area. I had a, I've had couples, now I remember, who would say, well, my wife or husband doesn't have those kinds of sin issues. Oh, man. I didn't say anything about sin issues. Have they arrived at being Christ? Then they can take a step, right? We all have that area. So I hope you all, uh, we, we can all learn from this. So I want to talk about something because... This whole thing's mysterious. If you have your Bibles, we're going to really focus on two sections. And I talked about this last week. We're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 5, the famous marriage section. P.S., if you're single, your, your tendency is going to be to tune out right now. Do not tune out. Stay with me because there's a lot to learn here about what you should be pursuing. What kind of person should you be pursuing? But more importantly, what kind of person should you be becoming? Okay? Stay with me. There's going to be a word that pops up that's going to make all the women in the room shut down. I just saw some of y'all grimace. (laughs) Take it up with God. I didn't write this book. (laughs) I literally saw that. I love it. I can't hide my emotions either. 
Immediately, as soon as I said that word, about four women go. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 5, but I want to start in verse 1. Context, context, top context. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. I'm just kidding. It's Ephesians. It's Ephesus. Okay? So he's writing to this church, and this is what Paul says in verse 1. We tend to use sections of Scripture as though they don't go together. This is section 1. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us. Boy, I could, we could just talk about that all day, right? And gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Man. So he's setting this, this whole section up and he starts, that's a powerful sentence. Two sentences. That's powerful. Therefore, be imitators of God. Imitate God as dearly loved children. Be like children who want to be like their daddy. And walk in love as the Messiah also loved and gave himself from us. Walk in love. Does that mean, hey, when someone loves me, I'll love them back. Walk in love means an action. I got to take steps, right? Are we still getting bone? No? Good. Sorry. <laughs> Crazy. Walk in love is God and gave himself for us. How much did he love us? He gave himself for us. He gave himself as what? A sacrificial and fragrant offering. Offering. Was he forced to? Did Jesus go to the cross and I'm just so sick of it? I'm sick of the cross. Submission? I'll do it, but I'm not happy about it. Love? Sacrificial love? That's what you sound like. <laughs> Jump down to verse 15 and 16. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Todd, what are you doing here? I don't know. That's interesting. So he says, first be imitators of God. Then he says, you need to pay attention. Pay attention. You need to be wise. You need to be wise. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So what does that mean? There is a path of wisdom, and there's a path of not, of foolishness. We've known that since the Old Testament. God has constantly said that. Follow me, and I will lead you along paths of wisdom to good things, right? You know those still waters in that psalm? That only, you only get to that when you follow his paths of wisdom. you got to do what he says, right? you got to follow him. The other path leads to a lot of bad things. Eventually. It doesn't matter if you've hopped along all you want. Sometimes you don't know till you come off the cliff where it's going to lead. So what he says here, uh, this is interesting. So we're setting this up. In the same section, he says, be imitators of God. Be wise. And then we come to verse 22. <laughs> right away. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Pause. So there seems to be an implication here. How are you supposed to submit to your husband as to the Lord? How do you like that, ladies? Then you don't like submitting to Jesus. That's tough. That's tough. Right? A lot of people say, right? And I get it. I get it. But I think your view of submission is wrong. But I kind of want to, you know, a lot of times, I'm going to tell you right now, you've been told it's willing. That's true. But they're just making it easier for you to swallow I think you're supposed to kill the part of you that rebels against that. Crucify your flesh. I'm not going to make it easier to go down until you put it down. And then I'll tell you what the medicine does. Make sense? Submit to the, your, some people say, well, how do you submit? How do you submit to Jesus? Do you nag him? 
You yell at him? Do you curse at him? Do you hit him? Do you tell him he's an idiot? Do you tell him he's foolish? Do you tell him he's wrong more than you even want to focus on his right? Do you point out all his failings? Oh, Jesus, if you were just a little bit better, I'd follow you. Does it say anything about the husband's worthiness? Hey, does it say anything about the husband's worthiness? No. Did you think this was a game? Did you think you weren't going to have to carry your cross? Did you think you weren't going to have to crucify your flesh? Did you think there wouldn't be a cost to follow the Christ? There's a cost. Move on. Going on, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. <laughs> I'm, I'm not laughing because I just think I already know. Like, that is hard, man. If you, that is hard. He is the savior of the body. Ooh. I like that little section. We kind of skip that, don't we? Because you get mad. You're already done. You're moving on. You're reading fast. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Do you look at your husband as a sort of savior? I'm already messing with you. Good. It says it here, right? What does that mean? That he is here for your good? That he is a blessing to you? What if the blessing isn't in how he treats you, but what you learn through the treatment? I'm see, That's hard to swallow. I, I know. But there's a beauty in it. A beauty in the following, in the carrying the cross. There's a beauty in it. Ladies, if you're going to hold your husband in your mind to the standard I'm about to read for him, which, by the way, is longer, and any man that loves Jesus is going to tell you right now, it's terrifying. If you're going to hold him to that, complain to your girlfriends about it, quote the Bible to him, I really, truly hope that you spend as much time on this. Are you going to want to submit? Why do you keep waiting till you want to? Do you see what I mean about your faith? If it's not okay for that drug addict to snort the cocaine and not snort it when he doesn't want to, then why is it okay for you to treat your husband with disrespect? Why is it okay for you to, to say, I'll submit when I feel like it? That's hard truth, isn't it? It's not about your husband. That's the important part here. And that sounds crazy. It's not about him. You've got to get that out of your head. It's not your husband holding his boot on your throat. That's not what it is. It's about your willingness to trust God that even when that man doesn't do his part, when he's not smart enough, which by the way reveals a lot about yourself, when he doesn't do it right, who's the judge then? Yeah. You think that's the only throne you sit on? If you sit on the throne in judgment over your husband, I promise you, you sit on the same throne over other people, doing the same thing to other people, playing God with everyone. In some area of your life, it shows. The quality of our faith, we, we, we have to understand that, the quality of our faith. We have to understand this. He is the Savior of the Father. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. How do you feel about that? Some of y'all are going to go to Jesus. You know, you, you might go there, and there, if he was here right now, and he, you would tell him all these beautiful things he's done. He goes, yeah, yeah, can we talk about how you treated Bob last week? What did I tell you to do? Well, he did this, this, and this. I'm going to talk to Bob. Don't worry. I'm talking to you. Do you submit to Jesus in a different way than you submit to your husband? And what I mean by that is in your heart, in your willingness, in the way you go about it, are you dragged along the path of submission or do you willingly walk like he willingly walked to the cross?
changes the gospel if Jesus was complaining the whole way about how much of a piece of garbage you were. You're a piece of garbage, but I'm going to die for you, you scumbag. Right? That's what you do. Some of you all right now are so mad because God is convicting you right now. You want to stop being angry? Repent. Change. Now, does that mean that your husband, we'll get to that in a minute, but I'm not, I shouldn't even have to say this. Actually, I'm going to save it. You just sit in the misery. I'm just kidding. It's a good thing. Now, moving on. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. There we are again. He reiterates the same thing. Now, as Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to the husbands and everything. Guys, I have a temptation to skip this. That's why I didn't want to preach this for a long, I mean, I've preached it, of course, but I don't do it a lot because here's the reason. It's not good business. This is not good business. If I want to grow fast, this is not the section I'm focused on. It's not. Because it, it isn't going to make us comfortable. But here's the thing. I'm going to be fair across the board, but I'm not going to do the thing where I trash men for 45 minutes and then say, hey, you ladies, you're awesome. You are awesome. We both have a call. This is not good business, but this is following the Christ. And I believe 100% this is why Paul put it in here. Because this is blunt truth. You mean I'm supposed to do at times what he tells me when I don't want to and my plan's better? Yep. Because it's not about him and it's not about the plan. Now, if he's leading you into danger, your children into danger, those kinds of things, absolutely not. I'm not saying that, you know. That's, that's common sense. We're not saying that. But let's be real. You're looking for the exceptions instead of focusing on the areas that we all know to be true. It's not about whether your husband telling you to take a gun and shoot yourself. It's about whether or not he says, yeah, honey, I think we need to move here. Those are the types of things we're talking about, isn't it? If he would just be better, though. How many, I wonder how many women have uh, already shut off right now. You mean throw a podium? I'm just kidding. It doesn't work the same. Uh, husbands love your wives. Okay, now let's move on. Number 25. Now here we go. Now, ladies, I want to say this to you before I move on. Guys, I'm going to talk to you, but ladies, I want you to think about this as written to you instead of going, man, they got it easy. <laughs> no, they don't. I, I, this is not easy, what I'm about to tell you. All right, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. This verse has convicted me for a long time, but the second half. I am supposed to, men, you ready? You are to love your wives. How? As Christ loves the church. How does God treat you when you're sinful towards him? How does Jesus treat you when you sin, when you fail? Does he yell at you, scream at you, shut down on you, uh, get distant from you, leave you, walk away from you, curse at you, to give the silent treatment to you? Is that what Jesus does? Call you names? If you do any of those things, you are not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Period. Well, what if she's a nag? I didn't stutter. It's the same thing goes to you. You don't get, well, she's not submissive. Doesn't matter. God will take that up with her. Where's your faith? My marriage is terrible. You know, so many times, guys, and we'll get to that in a second. Your life is miserable. You have allowed your life to dictate, I mean, your, your wife and your marriage. And this goes for um, women too, though. You have allowed your marriage to dictate the quality of your life. When the quality of your life and the quality of your faith should affect your marriage. It should be the other way around. You hear what I'm saying? You might have a terrible marriage. You can choose joy. You know how I know? Because there's people, since it's popular right now, there's believers in Ukraine in war. 
There's people in China right now, right? There's a lady I just read about in China who has been arrested multiple times because AJ is usually here to tell me the name, but the, she stands out front and preaches the gospel on science to the Chinese leader, the president, tells them to repent. She keeps getting put, Matt, would you do that? There's, there's some Christian out there right now choosing joy because they have one page of the Bible sitting in a dark basement with, by the light of a candle, and they're so happy to be able to do it. Stop letting your marriage be your God. Stop it. Half the reason your marriages are struggling and failing is because you worship them. You worship your spouse. You worship the institution of marriage, and it's a poor God. Fact. If, my, if I just had the perfect marriage and family, everything would be great in life. Well, one, you can't have that without Christ. And two, it still wouldn't fulfill you. Husbands, love your wives. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by, by the word. Hey, man, your job is the way you lead and treat your wife make her holier? Or does it make her hurt? Does it make her holy? Are you helping her be holy? Why well, ain't helping her not be holy? That's not what I said. Some of y'all, like, remember you are, you got that really cool personality type. You're an introvert. You're a J-E-R-K, right? Never gets old, right? That's your personality type. And you think your silence is holy. It isn't. Your silence when your wife is struggling, when your marriage is struggling, is not holy. It's not holy. That is so convicting. The way that men that you lead and love your wives and sacrifice for them should not be to please yourself, should not be so that you get a good pat on the head, should not be so you get a good dinner made, and it should not be so you can lay in bed with her and have fun. It should be because every thing you do is to love her in order to help her be more holy, to be more like Jesus. Are you making it easier for her to be like Jesus or harder? Where are you leading her? Down paths of righteousness or down paths of the flesh? I don't know. How about those of you dating? If that guy has talked more about your booty than he has the Bible, he's not leading you somewhere good. Just being real with you. That doesn't mean he's a terrible guy, but it means you need to have a very serious conversation. If you send more pictures of your body than you do screenshots of the word, there's a problem. Do you present her to be holy? And then 27 tells us how... This comparison again. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor. Oh, man. Without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Now, remember. Okay, 28. This makes it easy. In the same way husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that. Your goal, husbands, your goal should be to take that woman from the moment you say I do and carry her across every muddy valley, every sinful place, every scary place, and to the best of your ability, present her in such a way that she doesn't even have a wrinkle on her dress. That's what it says. Spotless. Well, Todd, I don't make them holy. Jesus does. Yeah, you're missing the point of the analogy here. That is the way that you are to love your wife. When you allow her to live in such a way, I'm not talking to you individually when I say this. I, this happens a lot. A lot of men live in shame. 
Guys, I'm like, this, is, this is tough. Well, I, you don't believe you're good enough. You've messed up. And so what you've done is you've decided to do a covert contract. I will just give her what she wants, never call her out, never challenge her, never lead her. And in response, she'll forgive me and love me again. Then you don't care about her. You only care about yourself. You only care about yourself. Because that is not making her holy and blameless and spotless. It's not. You can't make her, but it's not what presenting her. You might take her there and say, God, I've done everything I can. <laughs> what if she's grabbing trees and ripping her? That's not your fault, right? What if she's not behaving as a queen, as a daughter of the king? Is that on you? No, it's on you how you, what you do to her and how you treat her. Do you treat her like a queen even when she isn't acting like one? Do you remind her of who her father is even when she doesn't want you to? You know, I've said this to so many men, and, and some of you guys in marriage counseling, I promise I've thought it to myself, so you've heard me say it. You can't want the crown, but not the weight. You don't get to say I'm the leader of this household, but you don't carry the weight. Move on. And he, that powerful image right about marriage again. He says, he who loves his wife loves himself. What? 29, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body. There he goes again. You take your arm, you know, I had, I'm going to give you a little TMI. I had this weird uh, infection under my arm this week. Okay, it was gross. You're always making face. I get it. It's gone now. It feels a lot better. Um, but it was nasty, okay? It's like the Dr. Pimple Popper type thing. It was gross. I know. You didn't want to hear. It, did, it didn't look that gross. It's just big and red, okay? Let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't go and chop my arm off, okay? I didn't take a knife and start stabbing my armpit. Because it irritated me. You know why? Because that's insane. So when we have, when our marriage is struggling, let me punch my wife. Let me hurt my wife. Let me hurt her to feel better. Does that sound rational? We are one flesh. So how do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your wife when things aren't going well? So that's the analogy here. You're only hurting yourself. And then he quotes, man, I love Paul. I love the Holy Spirit. I love God. But right here it is. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 32. What is he, what's Paul saying? This mystery is profound. But I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Well, we're both supposed to respect each other. Most of you quote the verse that says, in mutual submission. Nah, man, you're trying to find a loophole. <laughs> That's like me saying, thou shalt not kill, and then finding another verse in there where it says, kill the Amalekites or whatever, and then saying, see, we can kill. You're just finding a word and then using it to justify what you're saying when it's taken out of context. I love this. Paul says, okay, he tells, right? Husbands, he's telling you, hey, take care of, take care of your, your, your loving yourself and you take care of your wife. Well, what do you mean? Think of it, right? He's writing to you saying, since we're members of his body, Christ takes care of us because we are a member of his body, right? The body of Christ. And then all of a sudden, Paul quotes to us Genesis, right? He quotes to us, for this reason, a man will leave his father and man will join his wife and the two will become one flesh, from the beginning. And then he tells us this. What's, what's going on here? This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ in the church, so Christ and the church become one. When you become saved, you are one. You are sealed. You are saved. We are co-heirs with Christ, right? 
He gives us, poor, a poor, for lack of a better word, similar portion of himself. When we give up that ugly part of us, we become one. And then all of a sudden, he makes the analogy, though, that this mystery is profound. But the way your marriage is, is a direct reflection, should be, of the way Christ is with his church. And you each play a part of it. You take one part out, and it messes up the gospel. We got a church that doesn't submit to Jesus. Does that sound like that's, that's what we got now? Right? We got a church. That's what's wrong with American, modern Christianity. It's not just American. Hey, I just do whatever I want. Call myself a Christian because peace, love, man. That's not loving Jesus. Right? That's not submitting to him. Yeah, I do most of the stuff. Okay, now, okay, that one we accept. What about if we have one that's like, hey, I'm not going to sacrifice for you. I take it back. We're in trouble. Or if he walked away from us when we make mistakes. Type of security a husband is to offer his wife is that type of security. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I won't let go of you even if you try to let go of me. That's what it says. Now let me ask you a question, ladies. Unbiased, be honest. Does that sound easier? They're both difficult. You've been lied to. Why? Because sometime in the last hundred years in a patriarchal society, men abused it. That's cool, and now you're punishing all men for it to teach them a lesson? You ain't teaching me a lesson. I just think you're mean. I want to jump down. i got to keep moving. i got to keep moving. i got to keep moving, Mandy. i got to keep moving. I like that you sit in the front row. This, this is the type of stuff I'm talking about. She's in the front row. Nice. I just thought it was because you just were so excited. Why did you, why did you tear yourself down? I was giving you a comment. because it's not for you, man. It's only because I can't pay attention. That's good. Anyway, 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 8. When you got it, say, I got it. Nice. You can't use it on the screen, but that's okay. It's on the screen if you need it. Now, in this section, I could have given you the whole section, same thing. Uh, Peter's talking at different times about how we're supposed to act as believers and what we're supposed to do. And he says, in the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. There it is again. It's not just Paul now. So that even if some disobey the Christian message, who are some? Who are the some in this sentence? It's not just random people. First sentence. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that even if some, who are the sums? What's the implication? What? Husbands. There's husbands that are going to disobey the message. What does that mean? They're not following. This is exactly what you need to hear. There, he, he got you covered. What if my husband's an idiot? He's telling you. It could just say, even if some are idiots. Right? Even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over. Oh, man. Without a message. Let me paraphrase it in the Todd version. Without words. By the way their wives live. Make no mistake, ladies. I don't care how tough your husband is because he talks to me. You have a voice in his life. He ain't as tough as he acts like to you that nobody in this world has. You can make him feel like Superman. He can jump over tall buildings in a single bound, or you can make him feel like he's a piece of garbage under your feet. And with that same power, we get a message here, right? Submit to your own husbands, even when he makes it hard. Even when he doesn't follow. Why? Because the hope is that he will come back by your example. Has anyone ever, you ever found that to be true, man, if you're honest? That there's times you don't act in a godly way and your wife does, even if it's just that day, to a point that you walk away convicted without her ever shaming you. In fact, sometimes the, most, the times I've felt most convicted are moments like that when I am literally a big jerk and I still get treated with the honor and respect that I am not due. 
because I have to go, why would she do that? Why would they do, why would they do that? Oh, for him. What should I do for him? That's a power. Man, ladies, there are so many verses as you're getting quoted to by the world. I would clean, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful verse, section of scripture. That the power that the Lord has given you if, you, if you don't view it that way, then you're not reading it. And then he goes on, okay. By the way they live, their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. There it is, when they observe the quality of your faith. Your beauty, sometimes it's like you try to make him a man. I'm, you're not a man. A cat doesn't teach a dog how to be a dog. Okay? You can't do it. Well, I know, no, you don't know what a man is. What you've been shown is what a man is not, and so you've created a fabrication of what you think it is. Jesus, if your husband follows Jesus, he will be a good man. What if he doesn't? Do it anyway, right? Live your life in such a way that it's a, it's, it's a testimony. I could tell you the story I've told 25 times, and then I found someone in here who has a very similar story, which is wild, but... Uh, oh, I think, Luke, we were talking about this. Uh, see, Jenny, I don't always make fun of him. Sometimes it's good stuff. Uh, we had a good talk, but it was very similar. As, as, uh, I don't want to tell whose story it is. Those person will know, but it's pretty beautiful. It's like they had a relative like this. I knew a lady whose husband, he, I've told this story. He's an elder at the church or a deacon. Hey, God's good. They go home. He goes, don't you open that Bible around me. Don't you pray around me. Don't you say anything about God around me. How creepy and gross is that? 25 years that woman prayed for it. She kept doing her own ministry, but in that home, she didn't. That's hard. She read her Bible in her own room away from him. She read her Bible in her own time. Did, did he deserve that? No. 25 years she prayed, and then he came to truly know the Lord in repentance, and now at, in their old age, they have a ministry where they minister to couples. How incredible is that? It's real. Anyway, uh, verse 3 says, Your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold or ornaments or fine clothes. Ladies, I hate to say it. We talked about the mask. I'm not, this is not justification to not try or care. You are beautiful. And the quality, right? I'm not telling you to, you got to wear makeup. I'm not telling you that. I'm saying whatever that looks like for you, don't lie to yourself that the reason you don't try is because you don't want to be outwardly. No. You have a wound in your heart. All right? You don't know you're beautiful. That's a fact. And so you justify it and you've, 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 Fallen into yourself. This, that's not what this verse is saying. It's saying don't take your identity from that. Okay? Instead, it should consist of what's inside the heart with imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. Before you hear me, quiet spirit does not mean you have to be quiet and never talk. It means a, a gentle spirit, a, a spirit of peace. Okay? A spirit of peace. Well, I'm fiery. You can be fiery, but to your husband, you try to have that spirit of peace. You need to be a place of peace for him. Fact. Are you? Does he want to come home or does he dread it? That's a mic drop. Some of y'all need to hear that. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also beautified the, I'm sorry, going to the gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. It's not weakness. God views it as valuable and beautiful. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her children when you do what is good and are not frightened by anything alarming. You remember this section we talked about? 
woman of courage. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with an understanding of their weaker nature. Ladies, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, you're mad. Okay? We all know that you, you do me. I don't know how you do it. You have kids. That alone. I, I am an, uh, uh, I'm serious. You're not weak. Nobody's saying you are. But can I, can I tell you a reality? Okay? I'll just use myself so I can be the jerk. I'm looking around. Ain't a single one of y'all women can, can, can wrestle me to the ground and pin me. Okay? I'm just being real with you. Some of you are like, yes, I can. No, you can't. We had a girl at the church try that one time. It's a funny story. Ask me after. Real story. In volleyball. Tackle me while we're looking. Try to throw me on the ground. We'll talk about it later. Okay? I'm not supposed to say that. My point is, it doesn't mean that way. It means weaker in the sense that a beautiful, fine china teacup is weaker than the metal dented canteen that we take camping. You get what I'm saying? That's what it's like. Don't view that as a negative. Husbands, the same way, live with your wives with an understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor. See, there it is, man. They're weaker than us. And then God always brings us back as honor, as co-heirs of the grace of life. That's a queen. You should treat her as such. Do you want to go before the father? And, and he goes, how'd you treat my daughter? So that your prayers will not be hindered. One of the most terrifying sections. I'm going to say that again. Live with them, your wives, with an understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as cores of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. What does this mean? You need to treat your, wa- your wife like a woman, not a man. You need to treat your wife like a woman, not a man. Well, she don't act like a woman. Says who? Treat your wife like a woman. What does that mean? Do you give her honor? Do you, how do you speak to her? You yell at her like you would if you were coaching a sports are you harsh? Are you gruff? Are you mean? Are you careless with your words? Is that how you talk to her? You scream, yell, shame her? Is that, you view her as pathetic, shame her heart, shame her tears? Do you shame her tears? That's weak. Well, that's not doing though. What does it say? Man, you want to hear something crazy? If you don't live with your wives with an understanding of their nature, their sensitivity, their heart, and show them honor the course of the grace of life, your prayers will be hindered. (laughs) Your prayers will be hindered. Woo! I don't even need to say anything. Well, Todd, that's crazy. That's what it says. What does hindered mean? I don't know, but I don't want it. And we finish here. Now, finally... And he shifts sections, but I like this. Now, finally, all of you should be like-minded and sympathetic, should love believers, and be compassionate and humble. He's talking, right? He kind of shifts. He's talking about the whole church, but it's like, do you think your marriage exists outside of Christendom? We do. I have a cool drawing about It's not cool at all. In my own mind, it is, right? We have the umbrella of Christianity, and we tend to think that our marriage exists outside of it with different rules. The little mini umbrella. That's not true. This umbrella is under here. I'm going to say something crazy that I don't have time to go into. Did you know Matthew 18 exists within your marriage? It should. Sin, sin, an unrepentant, sinful spouse. Right? I'm not saying you should tattle every time someone does that. That's not the heart of it, but you know what I mean. Because we'd be tattling every single minute, right? Anyway. 
You know, I, I read these two sections, and guys, it's the same thing. Peter tells us the same thing. When God repeats himself, it's important. Everything he says is important, but for, it's the truth. When he repeats himself, so he repeats himself here, right? He repeats himself. Two different apostles. Probably wouldn't, you know, probably not the same type of guys at all. In fact, we know that, right? Personality type, and yet they both say the same exact thing. And then we have this mystery, this mystery, which is your marriage is supposed to show this world your relationships. What if you're not married yet? You think, you think like, hey, I only need to, it only needs to reflect God and the church when we're married. Y'all silly. Of course, your dating relationships should reflect that too. So I'm going to leave you with a list. I know you love them. Living out the mystery as kings and queens. Number one, find a queen, wait for a king. Why is it different? Men, we are supposed to be the ones acting. Hey, men, a little side note for you. Quit being a chicken. Let me tell you what you do. I teach my guys, my men, they know it. When our first lesson I taught Remnant House guys we ever did, he can tell you, Jason's back there nodding, and he's in the program anymore. I told him this is stop feeling it out. Hey, what's up, ladies? What, what you try to do is you try to create an emotional bond with her before you take a step of faith and ask her on a date. Because you know if you can get her emotionally connected, it takes away all the fear. Hooked her. How you doing? How you really doing? You chicken. You know you want to be like, yo, you want to go out and get some coffee? But instead you want to be like, is it safe? <laughs> That's what you're doing. Can I buy you something, a gift or something? I just want to buy you a gift. That's what you sound like, bro. <laughs> All right? Stop doing that. All right? It's beautiful to do those things, but be honest with your own heart. Why are you doing that? Because you want it to be safe. It's never going to be safe. You got to just put your foot out there. What if she rejects me? If you can't handle that rejection, you can't handle leading a family. Man up. All right? Find a queen. That means you go out there and you find a woman of God. Don't settle for just a nice face, a nice body. You know, I live, I don't know if, I'm not a good pastor. I'm about to tell you stuff about my past. So, you know, I live my life, you know, it's so funny, man. Like, I did, I, I learned that. I tell guys this now. If you want to go find a pretty girl, throw a quarter. You can go find one, all right? It'll hit one. But women of God are very, very rare. What I call a woman, woman of substance. Yes, you should be attracted to her, but I'm telling you guys, do not, Truly do not put that above her heart and her character because you will be miserable. Wait for a king. Ladies, quit giving in to them dudes. You know, if a guy reaches out to you and he's like, hi, why don't you tell me about your, the pain from your past? Right? You know exactly what he's doing. You all know it too because sometimes, and it makes me sad, guys, because they'll come to me, some of these ladies. I'm, you know, I love that role I have in my life. And you're like, Todd, I don't know what to do here. I feel like they're asking me out, but honestly, they've made it in such a way. And then here's what you do when she goes, the women that I, there's some good women who will actually say to the guy, hey, I am fine with having coffee, but I only want to be your friend. And then the guy goes, well, I was just asking to be a friend anyway. I mean, that's all it was. I was like, and then she'll show me, and she's genuinely confused. Like, I, I guess he just wanted to be friends. I was like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Let me, let me give you a little news flash. Single ladies, single guy. No single guy is going to ask you to coffee just to have coffee. He's not. Don't lie. Stop lying, men. Now, that doesn't mean you got to say it. You could just agree to the coffee knowing that we're feeling each other out. Okay? That's okay. Because he maybe just wants to know if you're a queen. 
Now, that doesn't mean friendships can't come out, out of that. But listen, wait for a king. Wait for a man that will fight for you. Wait for a man that loves God outside of you. If he only loves God because you do, he's, he's going to stop once you're married. Because uh, he doesn't need to anymore. He's got his prize. You see what I'm saying? Wait for a king. Does that mean you can't let people know, you know, yeah, I'm just saying you deserve to be pursued. Let him pursue you. And hey, be a lioness. I'm not, you, be who God made you to be. You know what I tell, hey, be a queen. And I get it. Some women I know are very frustrated. There's like, there's no good men out there. There's, there, there's kings out there. You just got to wait for them. It's kind of the same place. Where are you hanging out at? There's no kings and you're down with all the drunks. Like, what do you think's going to happen? Wait, stop, tr- stop trying to fill that void with any man that gives attention. You are worth more than that. And this goes for both sides. I can tell you this because I've done both. I've pursued relationships. I've kissed, you know, I get joked about it a lot. I kissed a lot of girls. I did not sleep with a lot of girls. I'm being honest with you, pre-Christ, but I kissed a lot of girls. And I'm not bragging about it. What I'm saying about that is like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Because I was running around, not taking it seriously, a woman's heart, first of all. But secondly, I was feeling something. I didn't trust that God would be there for me. But there are periods, there was a time in my life when I woke up and realized that, guess what? He did. And I was just as content. I was just as fulfilled as I was in a relationship. That's the truth. And when you're freed of the need for a relationship, when you're freed from the need of it, is when you are free to truly love someone else. Because it's not going to be that selfish love that's about you, 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 right? All right. See, single folks, I got you. It's not all about married folk. Number two, now I'm coming at you. Husbands, love your wives as like Jesus loves us. I'm making this simple for you. You want to live out the mystery of the gospel and what it looks like? Love your wife like Jesus loves us. You know how he, start with what you do know. That's it. I don't need to say anymore. Move on. Number three, wives, submit to your husband like we do to Christ. That means we submit at times when we don't want to. That means we follow him. We should anyway. That's probably the problem with the church today. We submit when we don't want to. Why? Because we trust him. We follow him. That's it. Moving forward. Number four, your marriage and relationship should glorify God. If your relationship doesn't glorify God, pre-marriage, get out of it. Now, I'm all about going to someone and talking to them that you've dated and saying, hey, I want this kind of relationship. Ladies, listen to me, even non-Christians in the room. You know what's funny? Why do guys that aren't Christians want to date Christian women? Isn't that funny? They do. Because they're good women, and it's the other way around. You get yourself a good Christian man, which you shouldn't do this for that reason, but Christian, a man who loves Christ will be a good husband, will be a good boyfriend. He will, by nature. Will he be perfect? Nah, nah, he won't. He'll still be a knucklehead sometimes. Your relationship should glorify God. Your marriage should. Now, here's the, this message changes a bit. Your marriage should glorify God. Here's the thing. Stop focusing on changing your spouse. Change you. That's both of you. Change you. You cannot control another human being. Newsflash, you can't. Give it up. Leave that to God. God can. Ask God to change their hearts. But remember, and this goes for husbands, when your wife is not respectful, if she won't submit, you continue to walk and act like a king and love her as Christ loves the church. 
Does that mean just being a nice guy? Is your faith dependent on her? If you woke up today and your wife said, let's not go to church today, would you still be here? Are you man enough to say, all right, honey, well, I'm going. Some of you are not. And the same goes for your, your husband's not worthy of your respect and your honor. A lot of men aren't. They go through periods of time. But remember, it's not, we get caught in this short-term thing. You also, ladies, I didn't say this, so let me be clear. Do you want to stand before God? And, and, ha- and he says, how did you treat my son? My firstborn, right? In a way, right? Co-heirs with Christ. That's how he views it. How did you treat my son, my heir? Did you treat him as though he were a prince and a king? Well, he wasn't acting like it. That doesn't change the fact that I gave him a crown. Marriage should glorify God. You don't get to get out of it because it's not. You fix your part and trust God to fix the rest. That's hard, right? Is that hard, ladies? No? Is it hard? It's hard. I love the anger in some of you ladies, man. Not because I want to make you mad. I just literally see it. And what's cool about that is you're going to get the opportunity to not be angry anymore because you just let it go. All right. Last but not least, very similar to the other one. Your relationship and marriage should reflect Christ in his church, and I put the mystery. It should, it should be a picture. If they didn't know anything else except your marriage and relationship, they can know something about Jesus in the church. She's going to come play some music, and I want to ask you these questions real quick. What does your view of relationships show about your faith? Is it only dependent on how you feel that day? Then that's, I promise you, the way you look at your faith. Guarantee it, at least in areas. That's what we talked about at the beginning. Why don't I have a living faith? Because it's based on how you feel that day. What does your view of relationship show about your faith? What does it show about your walk with Jesus? If all I knew about how faithful you were to Christ, to the Messiah, was your, the way you act within your marriage, what would I think? Are you really a disciple? What kind of gospel does your marriage or relationship preach? Do you want to do just a pretty good gospel? It's got most of it right. No. What kind of gospel does it preach? Would you be glad, and this is deep, stay with me. Would you be happy, would you be glad if Jesus was to you what you are to your spouse? Or would you live in fear, shame, and sadness? If Jesus was to you good and bad, what you are to your spouse, is that good enough? Would you live joyful? Would you be excited? Or would you live in fear and shame and guilt? It's not about changing who we are. In Christ, you are these things. It's about living worthy of the calling that you've received. It's living like the kings and queens that you already are. Even when you don't act like it, even when you you get your crown dirty, it doesn't change the fact of who you are and what you are. A co-heir with Christ, chosen, holy, high priest, light of the world, salt of the earth. That's what you are. And if you are that separately, you most certainly are that together. You want to know something beautiful about the gospel? Those of you that don't know Jesus, you might have zoned out for a lot of this. I told you I would talk to you later. This is for you.
every beautiful thing I just described, the perfect thing that you want out of a relationship, whatever that is, is offered to you, but even better through a relationship with God. That God offers you the longings of your heart. It's true. You don't believe it. I get it. That, that love and peace and security and that feeling of being seen by someone, right? That's it. Being someone's person. That's what we all want, right? Someone's person. Here's the thing. is God offers you that. That even if no one were else to, to ever see you again, to love you, to value you, that the king of the universe, the creator, has looked at you and said, you are enough. I don't care what the world's told you about who Jesus is, that he's just here to tell you that you're garbage, to make you feel uh, like you're not good enough. Here's the truth. The, the, The beauty of the gospel, and even in the recognition of our sin, is not to tear us down. It is to free us to be who we are. The gospel is real simple. God made everything perfect, and he made us to live in it. And he said, there's one rule, follow me. And if you do that, I'll take care of all the rest. I'll be God and you're not. And you know what we've done? We said, no, God, I'll be God. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. I'll do what I want and that'll be right and wrong. He said, so be it. That's sin. A disease has entered you. That shame and fear and anger and pride and lust and all those things, those are all symptoms of this disease you have in you. So even if you fix the pride and you fix the lust and you fix the anger and you fix the sadness and you fix all those things you can't fix, What's inside of you? I can give you a cough drop for your cough, right? If you have a cold, but it doesn't change the fact that you have a cold. It just manages a symptom. We live so much of our lives pursuing a faith that just manages sin instead of frees us from it. The gospel is that in the midst of that, that we are separated from a holy God because we walked away from him. He gave us what we wanted. He gave you what you wanted. How has life been on your own? Has it led you to joy and peace? Or has it led you to roads of brokenness and dead ends and hurt and pain? Temporary highs, right? With a whole lot of lows. That's because you're meant for more. You can't fix yourself. So what happens? Religion tries to fix yourself. It tries to manage your symptoms. We add rules because we think that can save us. But here's what God said. God said, you were far away from me. You were my enemy. You chose that. And the Bible says very clearly, this is the scary part. He says, if you choose to be away from me, you're my enemy. It's not just about being happy. I will then punish you. That there is wrath being stored up from us. That, there, that we will have to give an account for every careless word, for every careless action, for every sinful, evil thing we've done that we may have hidden from people, it will be revealed in the end and we'll be separated from God. That's what hell is. Eternity and misery and pain and separation. That's the truth. The beauty of the gospel can't be seen without the reality of hell and the reality of what happens without him. That's scary, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go there when you die and you don't have to live in this weird misery chasing empty things. Now, Jesus of Nazareth existed. Jesus Christ, he did. I don't care what Oprah or TikTok told you. They lied to you. Go look at history. He existed. He taught us how to live. He performed miracles and then he died on a cross so that we don't have to die. Not really. And on the cross, Jesus does this incredible thing. He takes away the wrath that was poured for you. He steps under the cup, shoves you out of the way, takes it on himself. 
dies in your place for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you will do. And here's the beauty. If he left you there, you could just get dirty again. He says, no, I will give you the benefits. You get to, when God looks at you, he's going to see my perfect life. You never have to live in fear again or shame. You're clean forever. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're my brother. You're, you're the son or daughter of the king. And you'll be with me forever. And I'll never leave you. And guys, I can tell you this. Those non-Christians in the room, I remember being you. You're, part of you is like, eh, but part of you knows what I'm saying has some truth in it, just like I did. I promise you this, it's real. You will never find the fulfillment that you're looking for without God. So today, you can have that. What do I do, Todd? It's real simple. The Bible says it. Confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord and you will be saved. That he is who he said he was. God, I'm sorry for doing things on my own. I want this. I don't get it, but I want it. You're gonna get the opportunity to respond to that today. There's people up here that'll pray with you. Hey, I'm not doing what they did to me. They made me go back behind a creepy stage in a room, secret in the dark. It was scary. I still went. I'm asking you that if you want real life, are you willing to walk 15 feet? Are you willing to get on your knees where you're at? Are you willing to say, God, I want that? No matter how old, how young, today is the opportunity to walk out of this room free. Whatever you do, whether you're a spouse that hasn't been living up to the standard that Christ has called you to and you need to repent, turn away from it, say, God, I'm sorry, or whether you are in this room and don't know him, whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.